Hi, good morning. Mark Miller here in New York City. Got a very interesting session of sessions this morning, this afternoon, and then on Monday. We're interviewing the prospective board members for OWASP. We're going to do two sets today, like I said, and then one on Monday, so that you can have face-to-face -face time with potential OWASP board members. I'm going to let each introduce themselves as we get started here. Tahir, I'll say good morning to you. Good morning. Um, my name is Tahir Khan. I'm in uh, the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area, and I am looking forward to engaging in this uh, dialogue and finding out how we can increase OWASP's awareness and communicate about more effective strategies to move the OWASP message forward. Thank you. Matt, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, my name's Matt Conda. Um, I'm based in Chicago. Um, I think my whole uh, platform revolves around bringing developers into OWASP. So that's kind of my background, and that's what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Excellent. Bill, I'm going to come to you here. Good morning. Good morning. Well, actually, for me, it's afternoon. My name is Bill Corey. I live in Luxembourg, which is in Europe. I am originally from California, and my company relocated me here a couple of years ago. Well, it's not a bad place to be. <laughs> if you like rain, it's awesome. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start uh, with uh, Tahir because you're just on the right-hand side of my screen as I'm looking to hear. Sounds but good. One of the, the basic things that I, I want to start with is what do you think uh, is the most difficult challenge that OWASP is facing right now? If you had to pinpoint one thing. Uh, I would say, as with any organization, membership, awareness, and funding. So if you're looking for a specific one, um, from my perspective, I would say awareness because that drives the other two. So that that's the biggest challenge I see, is getting the name out there so people are aware of what OWASP does. Right now, from my perspective, the OWASP Top 10 has a lot of... Um, it has a lot of awareness, but people don't understand what OWASP actually does. They just mm -hmm. heard of the OWASP Top 10, and that's something they have to check off when doing software development or be aware of, but they don't really understand what's behind it, the resources that are available from OWASP, and what kind of outreach and what kind of... Um, there's a lot of cheat sheets and, and information that's available, but they're not aware of it. They more of just look at it, tackle the problem their own way, and move forward. So to sum it up, I would say awareness is really the key on the depth of what can be done, and then that hopefully could drive more membership, which in turn would drive more funding. Uh, nice response. Do you have a solution for that? How would you plan on tackling that? Well, just like um, the previous gentleman said, my approach is definitely developers, but I'm tackling it from a, from a different perspective. I, am, I have a full-time job as a CISO at a, uh, a company here in the D.C. area, However, I teach two nights a week, one night a week at a local university. And so interacting with the developers and the security community is a big part of my day-to-day, week-to-week existence. And I would like to start it out at a lower level, more of like a university or academic outreach program, to start increasing awareness of, again, OWASP, its mission, what it does for the security community, what it can do for visibility of software defects, and more of a grassroots approach where we bring in, you know, potential, these are, these are the next generation of people, and I try and bring at least one group a semester out to OWASP, and my next kind of 
challenge that I want to see if I can, you know, overcome is I want to start getting them to present solutions at OAuth. So they're involved in the entire community. It's not just me dragging them there, but they feel like they're part of it, and hopefully they'll feel compelled to join and um, contribute. Matt, what do you think? You, you got the uh, same thing or another one? The, the, the one point that you would like to get across. Well, so I agree with what Tahir said, and I, I, I wrote up a blog post where I answered these questions, and I have the word irrelevance in bold. And so I look at the world right now, and I see like security and pr privacy actually hitting the radar for developers, but I don't necessarily see them turning to OWASP as their first resource. And based on all the work that's happened um, you know, within OWASP, I think we're well-positioned to actually help people address those problems. I just don't think they know where to go to find it. Um, I, I hear all the time when I'm talking with developers that they just haven't even heard of OWASP. And when I ask them um, to join and support me in this campaign, they're like, well, why would I pay $50 to join OWASP? <laughs> so my perspective is I totally 100% agree with Tahir. Like, finding ways to blend those communities is a big thing. Um, I'll, I guess if you if you ask me to add one, I would add integrity. So I think that there is a little bit of an issue emerging with the organization with um, drawing lines of responsibility based on sponsorship. I also think that we risk becoming an echo chamber for the security community. Um, and I think... In a way, the, the things that I would want to do or try to figure out how the organization could do are all around bringing developers into the organization and broadening that community, which is all ways of addressing that same challenge, irrelevance and, and transparency. So um, I don't know if that makes sense as an answer, but that's what, all right, where I'll go. That's fine. <laughs> that's good. Bill? When uh, we talk about the one most difficult challenge of OWASP, what are you looking at, Bill? So I'll agree with my uh, with my co-candidates, um, and uh, to give us something else to talk about, I'll, I'll bring up another challenge that I see OWASP facing, which is obviously security is making the news more now than it ever has. It's uh, has a very much raised awareness, and so in, re in response to that, we're seeing that OWASP is growing and there's a lot of interest. Uh, and you can see it in the budget. The budget in 2012 was about 1.1 million, 1.7 million last year, 1.9 million this year. So there's, there's definitely an interest growing, but we're not really seeing that interest translate into large numbers of people joining OWASP, large numbers of people volunteering for OWASP. Uh, and I, I think there's a challenge there. There's a disconnect between the interest and then when they finally get involved with OWASP, if they know how to do that, it, it, for some reason it's not connecting. And I, I think we need to spend some time there figuring that out and making OWASP more relevant for a lot more people. Great. Thank you. Thank you. For all three of you then, that actually begs the question here. If, if we're trying to expand the audience, that we're trying to grow who's participating, where does that leave women in technology? To here, I'll start with you because it, it's a subject that's dear to my heart. I mean, I, I don't think that 
in general across the industry we've supported women in technology enough? What's your position on that? That's that's a good question. That's a tough question, but a good question. I think that it's a challenge no matter what industry we're in because from a university level there just are not a lot of women in, the, in STEM. There's no way around it. It just doesn't seem to be happening as much as it should. And I'm not sure, I mean, not to not answer your question right away, but I'm not sure what the genesis of the problem is on why there's not a lot of women in technology. And you see that a lot of different answers on why there isn't. But to tackle that for OWASP, it's just delivering the same message and maybe partnering with a lot of these new foundations that are coming out with trying to get more women in the uh, STEM fields and hopefully educational awareness that there aren't any challenges here that we embrace it, that we're looking for it because from a lot of the groups at um, places that I'm at, they don't, they, in a way they don't even advertise that, you know, it's, it's more of a, you know, good old boys group and, and they really, they do male activities, drinking, bonding, things like that. And it's, it's exclusive without even realizing it. And fortunately for OWASP, every OWASP meeting I've been to has been completely open. It is not that style, at least in the DC area. So, continuing along the same vein, trying to keep that open environment and not really make it more of a party-centric type of uh, environment. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's good. Uh, Matt, you've thought about this for a bit. Uh, what's your position here? Yeah, so um, it's funny. I wrote up an answer to the question about how do you believe you add diversity to the board, and I answered that I don't. Um, <laughs> but... I did also cite, there are things that the um, Ruby community does, in particular in Chicago, there's a conference called Windy City Rails, um, where they've done things and created a surprisingly um, inclusive community. Um, and so some of the things I note, and I don't know which ones would work for OWASP specifically, but I would definitely advocate considering them. And they include... Um, specifically seeking out trainers and speakers from underrepresented communities, so basically being proactive about finding people to speak and encouraging them to speak. Um, another is using a blinded talk selection process. Um, I know that's controversial for some people because they want to be able to go see, you know, Chris Eng talk, but um, I think having a blinded process means that you can um, take out selection bias that's unconscious. Um, they also implemented a code of conduct, and it's actually pretty interesting. The first time they implemented it, um, people were not satisfied with it, and so there was a there was sort of an uprising. I mean, they implemented a code of conduct, and it wasn't good enough, and then they updated it to address the people's concerns. So I thought that was um, pretty interesting. Um, and again, I don't know exactly how that would play out with OWASP, but I think that's good. A couple of other things that I think would be possible potentially is um, funding scholarships to go to OWASP conferences or training, um, specifically building mentoring programs um, and making sure that um, timing around events may be um, flexible, not always at the same time of day, etc. So I think there are a lot of things that we can do. Um, I guess I disagree with to hear a little bit that that it's a problem that that exists sort of systemically. I guess it does exist systemically, so I agree with that. But I also think that there are things that we can do as a community to um, improve the situation. Good. Thank you. Bill, how are we going to get more diversity here? What's your thoughts on that? So 
I, I don't know if you recall, but for AppSec two, uh, 2013, there was a, uh, a program put forth to sponsor women to come attend, I think two or three. And there was some discussion, actually, I believe on the board of directors' uh, uh, email list talking about should we put some money forward to help create these scholarships so women who are students in this field can come to the conference and have the expenses paid for. And it was somewhat controversial. Uh, eventually, uh, the, the money was found from, I think, individual chapters, but, uh, but there was some reluctance on the board to, to fund something like that. I myself feel like we should fund that and we should take the lead on, on bringing more women uh, and including them in these types of conversations. Uh, and actually, like Matt, when, when I got to the, to the question about diversity on the existing board, I, you know, my first thought was, well, I don't because, you know, if we brought diversity, we'd have women and we'd have a lot of representation from around the world and, and we don't seem to have that. Uh, so I, I, you know, so I think that it's, it's definitely something we can do. Uh, when I used to help with Bay Threat, it's a local conference in the Bay Area, years ago I helped start that. Uh, one of the things we've, one of the very first things we, we wanted to do was make sure we got speakers who were uh, across the board representative of the types of people you would meet, you know, in society and not necessarily the same sort of echo chamber type people you see everywhere. And uh, I, I think it's a really, really important, and I think it's uh, something OWASP can take the lead on and show the industry how to do it. Uh, and it sort of saddens me when, when we're, we're not doing that and we're sort of taking the position instead that says, well, you know, we give equal opportunities to everybody and it's up to them to, you know, take advantage of it. So. Great. Thank you, Bill. One of the, the big issues and questions in my mind along this same thread is, in theory, we have 44,000 members in this organization. Why is it so hard to get people to participate? And so here I'll go uh, with you first. I mean, you're, you're a project lead. You've worked on these things. How can we get people to participate more in what we're doing? Uh, participation is definitely key, right? It's along with all the other aspects of getting OWASP to grow. And Matt brought up a good point on a lot of developers are a, unaware of OWASP, and then they're like, why do I want to pay 50 bucks to join OWASP? Participation, there's different levels. There's participation in OWASP, and there's participation in the community where we're taking the OWASP message and moving it forward. So from the point of participation in the community, there's a lot of different developers, for lack of a better term, out there, and there's, and this is just my own opinion here, but we have the closed source versus open source developers. Participating in the community means you're taking your resources, your knowledge, and you're putting it out there so other people can benefit. And it's a challenge because, A, you have to find the spare time to do that, and B, that you want to make sure what you're putting out there is beneficial. And I think that a, there's, I mean, honestly, I think there's a lot of people that are a little bit hesitant on putting stuff out there to make sure that what they're helping with the community is beneficial. And then this may be a little bit controversial, but it's my own um, opinion on what I've seen. A lot of people don't want to share what they consider their own um, secret mm -hmm. sauce. Mm -hmm. I think it's really common in, in, in the developer world from at least the circles that I've traveled is that they've got a great idea that really could help the community, the security community. However, 
they don't want to necessarily share it with the world because I don't know if they don't feel they'll get ownership or they don't feel that they will get the recognition of what they'll get. Um, and I know it's probably not the answer you're looking for, but from where I've been and what I see is that, you know, there is some a component of laziness, but a lot of people don't really feel the urge to get involved in the community and contribute from an altruistic standpoint. They, they're looking for a monetary standpoint. And I've gone from, you know, defense contractor to a private software company, and it's a different world. From the defense contractors, there's nothing that you can share. Anything you write to help right. the community, the company may say, okay, we can put that portion and give it to the community, um, but from a private software firm, if you're making something that may benefit the community, there doesn't seem to be a major issue unless it's proprietary to you. So there's different mindsets in just different companies. So I come from a different background, I think, in a lot of the, the candidates here. Um, and my interaction with developers, I guess just to sum it up, my answer is that lack of altruism on some people lack of financial gain or benefit. They don't know if they're going to benefit from it and why should they put the time and effort into putting something out that they're not getting from. And then just general awareness that they're not aware that they can help uh, a community because OWASP is not really known uh, from certain circles. They're just not aware. As Matt had said, deals with a lot of developers and they, they don't really know about OWASP, so they don't know an avenue to get involved. Matt, to, to come back on that too now, so let's say we've got 44,000 members, that's documented. And I'd say that 43,500 of those are not participating in any way. They're just lurkers. So I guess the way that I would envision this working kind of fits with my overall vision for what I want to kind of push, and that is to find ways of supporting the local chapters to reach out to local development organi uh, organizations or meetups, um, to give sort of a more concrete um, rules of engagement, not necessarily rules to confine you, but rules to propose a, a possible bridge, um, to be able to say, hey, how about if you're, you know, one of the things your OWASP chapter does is find the local Ruby meetup, find the local Java users group, right, and go to those and meet with developers and try to like share information with them. That's something I've done in Chicago. Um, it's something I tried to get the OWASP chapter in Chicago to do, and it doesn't just happen. Um, you need, I think, to give people very specific steps, and then I think we need to um, start to understand what's working and what's not working in that process. To me, I'd like to see sort of the grassroots community aspect of OWASP like refreshed, through the outreach to developers. I also think that the number of developer members should be a key metric that we look at as an organization, both at a chapter level and as a, at a you know, national level and, and even across the whole organization. And I think doing that will help us to um, engage our volunteers, but then also to vastly expand the pool of volunteers um, if you can get developers to participate. That makes sense. Hey, Mark, I can't. I can't hear you. Well, it always helps when you turn your microphone on, doesn't it? <laughs> he was stunned. <laughs> stunned to silence. Uh, Matt, I, I was saying that you have been consistent with your messaging, and that is that 
OWASP is too security-centric, and you want to move it in the develop to developers. Is that what I'm hearing? That is exactly what what you're hearing. Okay, good. Thank you, Bill. What what are we talking about here, Bill? As incentive for people to start participating more in OWASP. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think just as just to sort of color the, the conversation, we can't even get members to vote. And that takes, what, five minutes? Uh, less than half our membership actually votes in the elections each year. And, and then, you know, trying to get them to do more than that, you know, it, it kind of brings some, shed some light on the issue at hand. Uh, I think part of the problem is is what Matt has said, which is you know for a long time OWASP was supposed to be developer oriented and it sort of morphed along the way and it's populated mostly by security folks who are not developers and security folks who are not developers don't typically write a lot of code right uh, your developers are the ones that are out writing code and certainly getting more of them into the organization would be awesome and would actually return us more to our roots. Uh, as an organization, uh, you know, myself, I, I've off and on been involved in various OWASP projects over the years, and I know for myself, I'm far more likely to participate and, and contribute when there's actually active other participants. Uh, there's been times where I've contributed things, and it's radio silence, and nobody likes working in a vacuum because there's, since there's no feedback, you kind of think, well, maybe I'm on the wrong track, or maybe nobody cares, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this if, if it's going to go nowhere and I'm just, you know, filling out pages on wikis that are never be read. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we really need to, to create a sense of community. I don't think it exists. If you get on the email list, uh, you know, what you see there is a lot of bad blood and, you know, 10 years of, of feuds and fights that seem to crop up from time to time. And, and uh, OWASP, you know, my, my main message is OWASP needs to mature as an organization. It needs to put all that behind them. And, you know, when people get confronted with, all, you know, when new people come and they get confronted with a whole bunch of old crap, nobody wants to deal with that. It then makes you realize OWASP is not as mature as it should be and is this really an organization that I want to, you know, give my money and time to and is it something I want to be linked up with because, you know, it makes the news that there's some weird feud going on and legal challenges and, and whatnot. So uh, I, I, mean, I think we need to put the past behind us, create a community, uh, get more in the way of recognition for the people who do participate uh, because, uh, as Tahir said, you know, sometimes the motivation is personal, and that's fine if we can help them get recognition that they can put on their resume or, or if it's a student and they want recognition, then, then that's great. At least it helps, you know, for their first job, they can say, hey, I participated in OWASP and helped write all this really cool code, and uh, I think there's more ways we can tap into some self-motivation there. And uh, I think ultimately the OWASP has to make itself more relevant to a lot more of the people we want to see, like the developers uh, and, and anybody else in the, in, in that's security-related that perhaps we haven't thought about before, uh, students in particular. Oh, Matt, to hear after hearing that, any comments back on that? Because, Matt, I saw you shaking your head yes on a couple things that Bill was saying. I definitely agree that um, when we resort to email, we do not necessarily 
communicate as well as we can. Um, and that it's frustrating when you put a lot of work into something and, and people aren't there with you. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to fix that. I think it's a great sort of problem statement. I think that's part of why I think focusing on the chapters and sort of trying to to encourage the, the community in a more local face-to-face kind of way is, is one thing I think I would focus on. But, I mean, it's a tricky problem. I don't think I have an answer. Okay, that's okay. Um, to hear, I I want to move into another direction here with a new type of question. Uh, do you've been, you mind if I just add no. a little bit to the previous question? Go ahead. So your initial question was, uh, why do they not, to me, not how can we get them to volunteer or okay. be involved? So I, I'd initially answered the, the why. I think that um, both Matt and Bill have a good point, that we need to engage developers. There's no doubt. Developers are... Um, is where we want to start with and where we need to end up with. And the how we can get people to um, volunteer or be involved as opposed to have such a small percentage, um, again, agreeing with those guys, is that we need some sort of recognition for people. So my, my platform here is really starting like an academic outreach or a bi-directional dialogue with universities. And as I said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some students to actually do some um, work, write some code for a LOSP as part of their, you know, it's part of something that we do in a semester that we can contribute to the community, and I'm doing it right now. But it's 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 not it's not mature enough yet. It's a process to kind of get in the right direction. So, my goal or my solution to it would be again right back at the university level and try and get the new breed or fresh blood to get in there and volunteer because, as we're all aware of, there is stagnation. There's no doubt there's some stagnation, and we need to build that, that community feel and get more people involved, and hopefully it'll be some sort of, um, you know, a, a, ma- a ball rolling down a hill gathering moss. In other words, the more people we can get involved, maybe even more will get involved. Because right now, a lot of people don't want to volunteer or get involved because nobody is volunteering and getting involved. It seems to be this, yeah. this horrible cycle. So I apologize for not answering it. I, I think I misunderstood uh, the way you asked it. I think you asked why and not the how. Um, but the how would be really to get more people to volunteer, which hopefully would get more people to volunteer, as crazy as that may sound. When when I ask a question here, uh, you can pull that political thing where you uh, you answer it <laughs> the way you feel you should answer it. <laughs> Let's play it that way. I want to stay with you to here because there's something interesting happening with uh, the Joanna's project on evaluating projects. You've been following her work. What do you think of what's going on with that project? Um, you know what? I have to be honest with you. I have not been following that as much. So okay. I don't think I can give a real uh, in-depth answer, and I don't want to just go look it up online and try and uh, quickly figure something out. So That's okay. Uh, uh, Matt, Bill, any comments on what Joanne's working on? I know that wasn't on our roster of questions. but Well, I guess one observation. So I, I do have some ideas, but I don't think I have an answer. So I find that the number of resources that are available – at OWASP.org is potentially overwhelming for developers and that it's hard to tell what the most important resources are and what the most important projects are. Um, And actually, when I first said, hey, I think I want to do this and run for the board, one of the things I mentioned was, I don't know if OWASP should be really supporting projects so much as distributing information. And um, Simon Bennett came back to me and said, well, but we don't actually get a lot of money 
it's not like this is a um, a huge investment for OWASP. So because of that, I guess be after thinking about his response, I don't think that OWASP should try too hard to cancel or promote projects. I do think that having a, a process in place that's consistently applied is important. Um, but considering that there's not a lot of funding being given to these projects through the organization anyway, I guess I don't think that's the major issue, like how many projects they are or what state they're in. It's really more about how they're projected through the community and through the website, um, how they're promoted, so that they, they look coherent and they look you know, accessible to developers. And to be perfectly honest, as much as I think OWASP can do that, I think we need to bring developers into the organization to help curate that content so that they know how to, they can tell us how they want to find the information they need. So I, I have a ton of respect for that process that's going on, but I don't have, um, I don't necessarily think it's going a direction that I would push it, but. Well, good response. Uh, Bill, uh, any comments on that? Um, so the, the the issue of flagship uh, projects and what does OWASP focus on and, and which projects meet some sort of bar to uh, display, you know, on the front page versus moving different projects to different places. Obviously, in, you know, traditionally OWASP has, has gratefully accepted any sort of donations projects-wise where I'm a someone who's created some sort of uh, project and I'd like to gift it to OWASP and make it an OWASP project. And OWASP in the past has been very accepting of it and saying, hey, let's, yeah, that's great. That's just more content. The problem I, I, I think that Matt has alluded to is and, and what's going on is that there's just so many projects and then a lot of them haven't had any activity for many, many years. Uh, it's, it's hard for anybody to know which projects are active and which ones are quality. Uh, and then it's overwhelming. I mean, that ties into the volunteer problem, right? Like, I, I want to volunteer my time. Where can I volunteer? And if there's a bazillion projects and you go and, and you don't realize, oh, this hasn't had any activity in four years, you start thinking, well, maybe this is more of a ghost town and it's propped up with, uh, you know, shell stores and, and, and inside is empty shelves. And, uh, and it's a problem. I, I think OWASP should go through and, and curate some of those and find new owners for some of them. And, and then really decide on the value. Just because someone wants to gift it to us doesn't necessarily mean we should we, we should take it, but it should be under advisement. Yeah, I would agree, and I, I would definitely, if I can add, just say that I've pulled a bunch of projects <clears throat> and had very mixed experiences. So, um, you know, as much as I respect the work that people put in to, to, to provide them, you know, it it's almost it's almost counterproductive for me to go get Horizon and try to use it for source code analysis. Just as an example, um, it's it's I'm going to end up confused and not with the most important information that I need. Um, you know, and again, it's a useful start, but it's not it's not mature enough that we should be like sending the message to that. And I think there are lots of examples like that. Great, thank you. To hear you still with us, okay? I'm yeah. You were cut off on voice for a second again, so I'll just let you know. <laughs> you were okay. talking, but I wasn't hearing you. Uh, another question that wasn't on our list, but I think a lot of people would like your opinion on, is uh, sponsorship dollars. What's your position on sponsorship money? 
Well, funding is obviously extremely important. I mean, we need to, to grow funding. Um, and I have, I mean, politically correct answer, I really have no issue with, uh, with, that, with that at all. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that we need to solicit and get as much funds as, as possible, either from members um, and then higher dollar amounts. I mean, it's, it's key. We definitely need to get and grow the organization. Now, the question that, that leads to the question of how do we spend that money and how do we, where do we put it and is it organized and are we doing it um, properly? Because, you know, other people have mentioned that some projects don't get funding, some projects do get funding. I think that that's a separate question on how we allocate the funds, but, yeah, we definitely need as, I mean, as much funding as possible. We need to grow this organization, get more people involved, and unfortunately, you know, money is the, is the one thing that's going to help us get the message out there, advertising, things like that. There's no way around it. Let me stay with you on that topic then to hear. What's your position on funding specific projects? If I come and say I've got $1,000 and I want to allocate it to the Cornucopia project? It depends on who you are. Um, mm. If companies want to sponsor a specific, a specific project, more power to them. I mean, if there's a beneficial relationship that they're going to get out of a specific project, then I think that's A-OK -okay if they want to fund it. I mean, that's a, again, that's a controversial statement, right? You would expect the money to go to the organization as a whole, but if I'm donating X amount of dollars from, a from my perspective because I really see something interesting that's going to help you with my software development project or my process, something's missing and lacking, and I want to donate a, uh, a sizable amount of money, um, I would personally like to have it go in a certain direction. Now, a solution can be a percentage of it. Let's just say, you know, pick a nice round number, but 80% goes to your project and then, you know, 20% goes to the overall organization. Some, some sort of solution or a hybrid solution like that. But I do see, I mean, I work in private industry, I do see how I would want to fund a specific application. I can see the need for that. And I don't want to turn away somebody saying, hey, here's, here's, uh, here's money for this project. Well, no, we want it as an organization. We don't want it as a specific project. And projects die, projects get stale, um, so it may not benefit me. So, again, to sum it up, my answer would be yes, A-OK, -okay, but maybe you come up with a hybrid approach where a percentage goes to the organization as a whole for overhead, and then a larger percentage goes to the actual project that um, individual company or whatever cares about. Nice. Sounds an interesting solution. Matt, I see you put up a, a diagram here. Yeah, so I hope that's, I don't know if you can see it, but... Yeah, we got it up. Um, I was kind of thinking about this um, in preparation and in response to the question that was in the, the published questions about the budget. And the thing that I would observe is between 2012 and 2014, we've come to completely depend on corporate sponsorship. So we can't fund our staff without corporate sponsorship. So this question is kind of mute. We have to take corporate money. However... I do think that there are options about how we can channel that to specific things. I don't know exactly what the right answer is, but I think it should be very transparent which, um, which things within OWASP are being funded by um, sponsors. I also think that it should be a goal to fund the staff through membership and not through corporate sponsorship. Um, I also think that I agree with Tareer to an extent that it's okay for companies to sponsor projects. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But what I believe is that those projects should remain open source, um, OWASP branded, and that the benefit to those companies should be the product, not any... I don't necessarily see why 
company names need to be involved with OWASP at all, um, other than, you know, obviously as sponsors at this point, because we've already done that. All right, thank you. Bill? Yeah, so corporate money has always been a sticky point. Uh, you know, historically, OWASP has... Some of the people in OWASP have been accused of using OWASP to further their private enterprise, and so now, you know, it's one of those historical things that comes up from time to time. Uh, I think corporate sponsorship's great. Uh, I think we should do what a lot of other nonprofits do and have a page that's dedicated to their logos and thanking them for their contributions. Uh, I, I'm a little nervous about allowing them to funnel funds for specific purposes for a couple of reasons. One, sometimes maybe that project doesn't necessarily need that much money, and then we'll be in the same position that the Red Cross was after I don't know, one of the tsunamis. They had a whole bunch of funds that went to the Red Cross, and then they're like, well, we've spent all the money we need for this, and we'd like to take this money and use it elsewhere. Uh, for other disasters, but everybody got upset and said, well, I didn't give you money for other disasters. I gave it for this particular one. And uh, and so we might get in the same kind of thing where we're, and we actually have buckets of money that we can't touch uh, that aren't being used, uh, and we have other areas of the, of the organization that could really use the money. So when you start ring-fencing funds, it, it has problems down the road. And then if the project you know comes to a halt or something, then those funds just sit unused or we have to return them back to the sponsor. So I'd rather see the money come to the top and then provide the money to whatever specific project it is, but then also have the option to use it elsewhere if there's uh, some, you know, if the need is greater. So I, I think that having that flexibility is much more important. Thanks. The, let's go to a different tact here to hear one of the things that uh, a lot of people are not aware of or in depth not aware of is uh, the nonprofit status of OWASP. And the question I'll ask all three of you is how aware of you are the non of you the nonprofit laws in the United States and how they affect how we run OWASP? Um, I read obviously the general nonprofit um, links on how they affect us and the, tra the financial transparency and the things that you guys have put forth. So I'm not a nonprofit expert, but I have um, gone through the, the general stuff that you've put out there to get familiar with um, what we have to do and our transparency, things to that effect. Right, thank you. Matt, and Matt, I did get your chat note. Uh, I would say the same. Um, basically, I'm not an expert in nonprofit, but I've been on boards for small organizations that are not, you know, not uh, private enterprise, um, and I do accounting for a business, so I, I sort of understand the financials and, and can put them in context. But um, you know, I think it's an ongoing process to make sure that we're doing things according to the rules. That's why we do audits. All right. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. So I've I've never been on the board of a nonprofit. I. I have sat on, I used to have my own corporation in California, and so I had board meetings, and I know how those work. My wife actually was the executive director of a nonprofit, so I, I am familiar with them and the responsibilities that go along with being on the board of directors, and obviously I've volunteered for nonprofits. Um, and and so I, I, and 
part of the thing that I've done in the past with OWASP in particular is is worked on the uh, bylaws for the board of directors. So I'm actually familiar with those quite well because I helped comment on some of the changes we made to them a couple of years ago. And then uh, you didn't ask, but part of the question you had said was uh, how familiar are you with the the financial documentation and whatnot? And um, yeah, and then. I, I haven't reviewed absolutely everything that OAS has, but I've seen the budgets and the annual reports and, and whatnot. So I'm familiar with those two. All right, thank you. We're nearing the end of our allocated time here, so let me uh, round this out. And so, Bill, I'm gonna start with you, then jump to Tahir, and then back to Matt. How's that? So Bill, what I'd like to know is, if you're elected, what's the first thing that you would work on once you're elected? So yeah, the first thing is actually the first thing I, I stated last year when I was running for the board, and it's the same this year. Uh, I see the maturity of the organization not where it needs to be, and I think that in, that hinders us in a variety of ways, and it shows up in a variety of ways. Uh, so something that I would like to do with OWASP is mature the processes, get a professional staff. We have great staff, but get an executive director to lead the staff and, and have this professional staff that can put on a face for OWASP to the public and can carry this more professional atmosphere to the public. And hopefully that will then help attract more developers and more women and generate more interest. Um, you know, I, I, so I, I, that was that's what I would that's what I would do. And then actually, I started uh, a couple months ago. I started working on transparency in particular because that seems to be a sticking point, uh, where you know the O and open uh, for OWASP, the O stands for open, and there's this thought that everything should be transparent, absolutely everything, even the hiring process and all of that. And and there's you know certain restrictions we have just you know to follow the laws of you know, federal and state laws to make sure that we keep private things that have to be private. And so I wanted to clarify what sort of transparency there is. So I, I put a page up on the wiki of a policy and, you know, I started filling that in and got some feedback and filled it in, but then, you know, that kind of died off. But the policy is still there on the wiki. And, and I think we just need to continue that work and obviously a lot more work in the area of just maturing the organization, its processes and, and its people. Thank you, Bill. To hear, first thing that you would like to work on when if you get elected. Well, it goes along with my original platform here, and that's awareness and membership, increasing it dramatically at the university level. I have an advantage in the sense of that I'm there a couple days a week, and I see um, the lack of awareness that the software developers and people inside the uh, information security community and all that have of OWASP, and the goal is to deliver that message to all walks. Um, I had mentioned it earlier on, I think, the, the form we had submitted, but really starting even chapters or subchapters at the university levels and creating a kind of a template that hopefully can take off and move to different schools if that format works. So going along with what I was saying is it really it's that awareness, um, membership, which drives um, funding and involvement in the community, at, at the university level is, is where I'd uh, where I'd start and I'd like to say one thing here is that I think that um, Matt and Bill would make great candidates I mean really I've liked their responses personally 
Um, they've said some really good stuff, and I think that would benefit from anybody so far that I've interacted with on the community, um, on the board of directors. <laughs> How funny. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking, wow, I, I want to vote for these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Me three. Oh. Tough position, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right thanks well, to hear. Yeah, there are three positions, so there you go. <laughs> oh, I know who I'm voting for. Matt, first thing, most important thing you'd work on at the beginning. Um, again, increasing developer membership. So specific things that I would do there would include um, exploring membership campaigns targeted for developers. Um, I would consider um, maybe a time-limited, maybe a free membership specifically for developers. Um, I think having a communication channel to a large number of developers that are interested in application security would be a great asset for the organization. Um, I also think it would mean getting um, developers to really help us um, recraft the website so that it's something that's consumable for them. Maybe making it organized by technology stack so that if I'm a Rails developer, I come in and I get the Rails content in a way that's very easy for me to understand. Um, same for Java and Spring. It's hard because there's a lot of different technology stacks, but that's maybe how developers think. I don't want to necessarily say I represent developers and try to make all those decisions. I just want to bring their voices in so that those um, those changes can be made. Now, obviously, I can't guarantee it'll work, but that's the that's the platform that I would advance. And I would agree with both what uh, Bill and, and Tahir said. This has been a fun conversation, and it's nice to, to meet you guys, and I totally hope that you win. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. This is Mark Miller with the OWASP 24-7 podcast series. been talking to three potential board members at OWASP. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good. See you soon. Thanks. Hopefully at uh, AppSec next week, right? <laughs>